On today's PMEA's Take Note podcast, we are talking with the new president of NAFME, and I bet you know who he is if you're here in Pennsylvania. On today's PMEA's Take Note podcast. Well, we are here in Reading, Pennsylvania at the PMEA Summer Conference. And while we're here, just like we did at the annual conference, we're taking the opportunity to do some live in-person podcasts. It's great to be with like real humans, right? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So I am joined here by uh, a face and a voice uh, certainly familiar to Pennsylvania music educators and now will be a familiar face and voice to national music educators. <laughs> Scott Sheehan, uh, past president of PMEA, past district president, past advocacy rep. You've probably, you've probably done one of everything. Uh, <laughs> many. Yes, okay. Uh, high school band director at Holidaysburg and uh, now uh, is the NAFME president. So congratulations on that. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, that's it's like a long email signature, right? When you put all that stuff in. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, just taken over as NAFME mm -hmm. president. Um, and boy, what a strange time we've all been, of course, the last few years. And I still think we're still in that kind of strange time. Um, as you look uh, into your presidency coming in, what are your goals? Sure, thanks. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. It's, Absolutely. You know, a, a pleasure, and I really enjoy this podcast. I think you've had some great hosts on there, so uh, great guests. We have and, a great host, too. Yeah, you do have a great host. <laughs> but I, I really appreciate the opportunity to be able to share with PMEA members uh, about the goals, because I, as I mentioned earlier today in the, in the session this morning, I'm not sure that everybody really understands what NAFME does. And I feel like there's a bit of a disconnect between what happens at the national level and what happens at the state level. So for me, the goal is really pretty simple. It's bringing people together. It's working to lift up the work that our states are doing in so many great ways. I mean, we know we've been through PMEA uh, up through the ranks and see all the things. You know, Yes, people know our festival system here in Pennsylvania, but there's a lot more that happens, especially on the advocacy and public policy side, which is part of what people know NAFME for. And I think that I want to amplify that work at the national level, but, but in the biggest context, it's really about bringing people together. Through my experiences that you were mentioning earlier, I have seen that music education is siloed. You know, we have band, choir, orchestra, general music, elementary, high school, collegiate, you know, middle school. We, we see all these segments. We're very segmented and siloed. And even band, let's just, because I'm a band director, yeah. we'll just take band. You've got the um, CBDNA, the ABA, right. the, you know, the NBA, the, you know, all these band associations and, and everybody, and pulling back out of band, but just in general, everybody means well, everybody um, has a lot of the same goals and that is music education opportunities for all children. And I think that it, it's important that we see the commonalities that we have as associations. Where's that common ground? Where are the places that we can work together? Who is doing the best job? Who is best suited to do this work? And, and recognizing that, because sometimes, I'll be very honest, sometimes it's not NAFME, or sometimes it's not um, an, an MEA. Maybe there's another association or, or a company. You know, our, our industry partners are a part of this conversation, too, that we see where we can work together, we see where the commonalities are, and we, we 
amplify the lanes where people can do the best work and keeping each other informed along the way. You know, so that's kind of a lofty goal. Right. Um, but I really do believe that to face the challenges that we're facing now as, as a music education profession, we really have to lock arms and be together moving forward, um, you know, one group uh, with one voice and not um, just segmented. Because I do believe that together we're going to be a lot stronger. Separated, we're all going to continue to get the, the smaller results than what we've had. So we're going to talk about some of those challenges in a minute. But mm -hmm. um, let me make a, a, a couple points, questions. I mean, you know, coalition building is hard. It is. Uh, even though you might think, well, we're all in the music space and we're, you know, go music, th there's a lot of complex issues. Um, and as we're in a time now coming out of the pandemic where a lot of those issues bubbled up that we weren't aware of, um, we have new things like Modern Band mm -hmm. that now plays into all of this. So there's a, that's a lot of people to bring into the space under that music ed umbrella. So, that is a lofty goal. <laughs> it is, but here's the thing. I believe in my core, I really believe that every person, and I'll expand that out to a, an association or a committee or a group, has um, a viable, vital role to play in all of this because they represent a certain uh, segment. And for a long time in music education, I feel like we've had the big players, the people mm -hmm. that have always been at the table, the, the, you know, the proverbial table that we talk about. If you're not at the table, you're on the menu, that kind of thing. Right. Well, well, the point that you're, you're making is the table needs to be built bigger. And we have not necessarily always made space for various groups. And, and I'm not going to start naming associations and things just because there's so many sure. out there. But we can all think of the typical associations who have been part of this space, leading the way for decades. And they should be recognized for that. Uh, and I, I don't think that um, I'm trying to downplay any you know, one or say that anybody has done anything wrong by any means. I don't want to be misinterpreted. What I, what I think is that as we are emerging from the pandemic, that we are looking to broaden the, um, the table, make the table bigger, make more pathways into the conversations that are so critical because it's not just NAFME members that are facing these challenges that we're seeing. And it's not just PMEA members or it's not just you know whomever. It's not one segment as I was talking about earlier. It's all of us. It, you know, we, and I, I like to use the, the term we're a music education nation. And you might I might use, use that again later. Yeah. But you know we are a music education nation and I think that for us to, to see that realized in any particular way, it is about having conversations and owning our past. You know, to your point about, um, uh, you know, it's not easy to build coalitions and there's, you know, history and, and mm -hmm. all that plays a part of it. But I think we need to own it. We need to recognize it. And we need to look to the future and not look back to why things were the way they were or why we're here today. Where do we see ourselves five years, 10 years down the road? And, and, and as I've been just, I know I've only been in this seat for, for just a few short uh, weeks, I've had some pretty amazing conversations with some, some of our big partners. And it's not about sponsoring the next conference or some event, you know? It's not about that. It's about the relationship right. that people want to see. And I think that's how we can maybe begin to see this, this larger table be built by talking about strategically what are our associations have in common? How do we move that conversation to a three to a five year plan uh, for music education, not for NAFME's strategic plan or agenda right. or whatever. It's bigger than that. Right. 
Uh, just to, to take off on one other point, you talked about you know the NAFME has done this great policy work over mm -hmm. the years, and, and it's now in many ways incumbent on the states to take it up because of the policy that's been created at the federal level, right. which is so much more uh, is given so much more power to the states. But I would take it a step further that it's so important for for every music teacher to then, especially in Pennsylvania, to take up that in their own school district because we are a local control state. Yes. So yes. yes, there are decisions, there are some decisions at the federal level that have been made, right? But so much is now to the states. And in Pennsylvania, so much is then down to the schools. So right. it is about educating yourself about these issues and being a, a constant advocate, but that's not, that's not it's a scary thing that doesn't, you know, I always tell people, it doesn't mean go pound your fist on somebody's desk. Right. You're, you're just constantly being positive about your program. Yeah. And that's a great form of advocacy. Absolutely, absolutely. And you, I mean, we're so fortunate to have you uh, at, you. at your position now with PMEA. And, and even before you were here, you were doing that work. You were leading that work. And I, I couldn't agree more. And I, I feel like, and I've talked with Mackie Spradley, our previous president for NAFME, about this. I feel like the word advocacy has so many different tentacles, yes. you know? And so are we talking about advocacy for teachers? Are we talking about advocacy for programs? Are we talking about advocacy for students? At what level? Public school, collegiates, the, the profession, you know, the, uh, the federal level, <laughs> state level, as you mm -hmm. were just saying, local level. And, and it means so many different things. And I, I just, I think that to your point about um, educating, educating music teachers to understand the the vastness and the breadth and depth of what advocacy is is really important. And, and the other thing that I, I think um, you hit hit the nail right on the head. Teachers are busy. Teachers, you know, some people have told me they don't see that that's their role. You know, they, they don't right. think that, that being an advocate for their program is their role. They're there for the students. You know, they're very student-centered. Um, and I think we need to meet people where they are with that Absolutely. And, and then go forward. But yeah, I, I think you're right. And it's, we're very fortunate, like I said, to have you helping us to understand that pathway you know, to that advocacy work. Because it is, it can be as simple as just making sure people are aware of what's going on in the classrooms. Right. And, and I'm, I'm on this quest to come up with a better word than advocacy, to your exact point. Because it, it's, it is, it's too broad of a word. There's too many pieces of that puzzle that, that that it encompasses. So, but I haven't found it yet. Well, and, and real quick, sorry, but sure, no. but and the word policy scares people that's, too. That's right. <laughs> you know? You're absolutely so. right. The, and and policy is another one of those words which where what does that mean? Does right. that mean a state policy? Does that mean a Department of Ed policy? Does that mean literally your school district policy on when you go to lunch? That's right. a policy. Right. So uh, yeah, I, so all right, I'll work on that word after I come up with the advocacy <laughs> one. So um, teaching right now is strange. Um, sure. It's a tough time recovering from the pandemic, although there's lots of good signs of good things happening out there. I think a lot of the fears we had didn't come true, which, which is good. Uh, but there's less entering the profession, um, more leaving it. Um, so what does that mean for music education? What does that mean for, you know, how do we, how should we be reacting to that, I guess? Because that is it, those become challenges for every educator. Well, I mean, there's no secret here. You know, it is a challenging time. It is a very challenging time for all of us in education, not just music education. Right. And I think a couple of things that, to try to keep the positive spin, right? I mean, that's really what we're trying to do. I think we recognize, I don't think we shy away from the challenges. I think we recognize them. And we take care of ourselves. 
You know, I, I mentioned that this morning too, that our own well-being as a human, as a teacher, as a, as a father, as a, as, a, as a person, we have to take care of ourselves. And, and so that, in, in today's world, might mean seeking help. It might mean taking a break. It might mean having that one thing that you look forward to every night, you know, to read, just to sit back and read a book or have a glass of wine or, or whatever it might be that you, you do to take care of yourself. I think that that is critical. And I think, you know, moving forward when we see it as a profession, it's, it's really about making sure people understand the joy and love of music. And that has not changed. The pandemic has not taken away what music does for humanity, what music does for our souls. And, that, and that's critical, because that, that has forever been part of every culture, every civilization across the dawn of time. Music is there. Music has been part of who we are. It's in our DNA, I believe. <laughs> and I think that it, it's reminding ourselves individually, reminding our profession that that joy and that, that desire of that creative outlet that music provides, that, that form of expression that music provides, it's all still there. And I think we have to tap into that. And, and I, that seems so like, oh, that you know, makes you feel good, you know, fluffy level stuff. But it's true. You know, it, it, I'll, I'll use a different analogy. So if you wake up every morning to an alarm clock and you're like, oh, you know, I got to get up, I got to do this, I got to do that. But if you wake up every morning to an opportunity clock, which my friend Matthew Aral has, you, you know, go. coined, yeah. and, and it's your outlet, you know, it's your outlook. It's how you think about it. So if you, instead of I have to do this, I get to do this, and you get the power of get is pretty powerful uh, when you start to think about what you get to do every day instead of what you have to do every day. And so I think it's our outlook. And so I think that as we think about going into the classroom and, and seeing students and finding that and sharing that love of, of music and empowering them to share their love of music back, it's symbiotic. Right. The, you know, the old, the more you give, the more you get. And, and, and it, that's true. Those, those kind of, I don't know, I'll call them laws of nature, those truths aren't going to change, even though our challenges are great, even though there's a lot there. So, you know, am I an optimist? Am I, you know, yeah. But I also try to make sure I take care of myself first. I try to make sure that I'm supporting colleagues everywhere I can, um, whether that's in my own school, whether that's across you know, the state or now, now the opportunity to support colleagues across the nation. I, just, I think that we, we're in this together. We, as I sure. said earlier, the only way we're going to face these challenges is to, to lock arm in arm. And, and our profession is strong. And I, and I think there's been a miss, you know, kind of, the, you know, the, the poison Agreed. gets out yes. there. You know, somebody taints the water and now everybody's believing that, that music education isn't a good profession or it is, you know, that, that's just not true. You know, there are still millions of students across this country who are in schools making music, have that, that deep, rich desire to be, have, you know, have music part of their lives and to, to share in music making, and, and that, that's not gone away. Right. So to your point about mindfulness, I refer folks back to uh, two podcasts ago when we talked to Courtney Coffey, who uh, is in the color guard world, but uh, she talks a lot about mindfulness in the marching arts, and really, uh, so much of what she talked about can, can go to anything. Um, but th the thing that I took away from that is exactly the point you made. It's about that outlook. Uh, so I, I, would, I would suggest folks uh, go listen to that one too. Um, let's move on uh, to talk about college students. Mm -hmm. So college students entering the profession now face a whole different set of issues. 
than than previous generations. Uh, than, than I mean, I'm talking 10 years ago, what they're facing, um, you know, from everything from cost to there is so much coming at them that they feel that they have to be prepared for because what are they, you know, it might have been years ago, okay, band, choir, orchestra is what right, I might do. Right. Well, now there's just so many other, with modern band, and which is wonderful, but sure. now these students need to be prepared in some ways because what if they're put into a teaching situation? So what's your advice to college students to, to keep them energized and, and to continue to be excited for careers in music education? Well, well, first of all, what was the spark? What was the spark that made them fall in love with music in the first place? Was it the excitement from a teacher? Because often we hear those stories, right? It was the music teacher that inspired them because they saw the love that that music teacher had for teaching and for them for, as students and for music. And, and so I, I always tell people, when you're feeling down, burned out, whatever it may be, you're feeling overwhelmed, what was the spark that got you into this in the first place? And, you know, and I, I remember my spark. I remember mm -hmm. exactly the day it happened. I won't get into the whole story right now, but um, you know, I, I can remember that day and the excitement and the joy and the love that I felt from music. And, and I, I often joke around, music chose me. I didn't necessarily choose music. I was on a path to be an architect. And, okay. you know, and life took me a different spin, you know? And, and it was literally one day, one instance, playing trumpet in the high school band that changed the whole thing for me. And, and you know, I just, some people might think it's a God thing or, you know, a divine intervention or whatever, but, but remember the spark. And so that, that's first. I, I think the other thing is realize that it's okay not to be okay. And I, I'm, I don't live too far from Penn State University, and their student body of music ed majors went to the professors as a group and said, we're not okay. Hmm. This is different. We don't feel, you know, the, the anxiety, mental, you know, fatigue, all these sorts of things that were coming up. And the professor said, thank you. Now we can yeah. help you. Rather than failing you, rather than making you, you know, let's talk. Let, let's meet people where they are. And so my advice to the college students is don't be afraid to speak up. Don't be afraid to ask yeah. for help. Recognize if you don't feel okay, you know, whether that's mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, you know, ask for help. You know, go out there and see. Because, yes, there are many, many challenges now uh, in there. Now, now, when you're talking about, you know, curriculum and, and looking at, you know, the, the vastness of what's expected now in a school of music for music education, mm. you know, it, it's large. But to me, it's exciting. You know, okay. it's super oh, exciting because there's new things to learn. And I believe, in my heart, I truly believe this that the generation coming out now is far more equipped than our generation to deal with the problems that we're facing now. They've grown up with the technology. Mm -hmm. They've grown up with this critical thinking and thinking on the fly because it's that, you know, we, we used to say, oh, it's instant gratification and that's a bad thing. It's not necessarily right. a bad thing when they can apply that to, to problem solving. And so I, you know, I think that I really believe, and I've, and I've read some articles about this, that um, today's generation uh, of young people are going to help solve the problems and are, are better equipped to solve the problems that, than we are because we think of the boxes that we have built and have grown up in and lived in. And so you know, I, I think college students have so much to offer. I, I see them, you know, obviously we say they're the future of our profession, but you know, what an exciting time to be involved in the change. You know, 
our generation gets scared of change. Right. <laughs> you know, wait, wait, this is different. Um, you know, well, why is it this, you know, what's happening? Whereas that's all they've known, especially in the past two or three years. You right. know, it, it, one thing changes. And, and so the adaptability, flexibility, um, resilience, those skills that, that these young people are, are building because they had to, because they didn't have another choice, is huge. And if they are not bouncing back, that's when I go back and just say, you know, ask for help. Right. So last topic area, let's take a 30,000 foot level. So music is part of school. That's what we're, yeah. it's not an extra, it's not an add-on. Music is part of school. Yeah. That's, I, I can sit here and say that, but that's not obviously the reality everywhere. And uh, I heard this great uh, way to, to put it, kind of maybe what our goal should be everywhere is, it's the three A's of school. Academics, athletics, and the arts. Mm -hmm. Those are all incredibly important things about school. Yeah. Well, let's look at, let's look at state dialogue, local dialogue, national dialogue. Uh, you know, it's, it's in many ways still defined as an extra. How do we change that? How do we change the conversation that it's just part of what you do when you go to school? So it's, it's funny you ask this, and, what, and my response to this, some people might say, Scott, you're crazy, but I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna tell you what I think. So it goes back to my goal of working together, right? That this is bigger than any one of us. This is bigger than NAFME, than, than our ME, any one state, or any one association, or organization, or company. We have got to come together and, and tackle this. And, and quite frankly, I have a marketing background too. And I, I think that some of this is the marketing because research shows the good that music has for brains, right? To be engaged in music engages the brain in a high, higher functioning way. Um, we have you know, plenty of anecdotal evidence of all of the uh, extrinsic benefits that, that music has that, that maybe you can get through athletics or maybe you can get in other places, but it's still enhanced, it's still amplified through music. So, so there's a lot of evidence out there about why music should be essential and part of every school everywhere ac across the country. What I believe is that we have kind of missed the marketing aspect of it. So I'm gonna equate this to STEM. Okay. So, I don't know, 15 years ago, let's just say, I don't know an exact date, this STEM movement comes in. And the science, technology, engineering, and math people um, in public schools got this huge boost to their programs, both financially, in some ways uh, staffing, uh, and so on. Now, science, technology, engineering, and math have been in schools right. forever, before we called it STEM. Those classes, those subjects, that innovation that was happening in schools was, was there. But what happened was folks went out and they, they found funding and they found, they, they created a need mm -hmm. because, because industry said so. There were studies done. They said, well, these are the, this is the skills and the thinking that we need to have in our, in our future um, careers. And so thus gave the birth to STEM with a whole lot of funding. Well, we have a lot of the same information about music and the arts. We have a ton of information out there to say why the music and the arts are going to contribute to a, a more creative society, to a more critically thinking society, um, and so on. 
And so it, in some ways, I feel like it, it's, a, it's a marketing kind of thing, you know, that we need to make sure um, that our next door neighbors who have no children in schools, who aren't at the concerts, um, you know, hear the, these messages. Because I, what I believe is that we advocate, back to that word, you know, advocacy. Our advocacy messages don't have the penetration we think they have. Right. We Absolutely. stand up at a concert. We stand up at a conference. Who's at that concert? The parents who already have kids in the program. Who, who's at a conference? The music teachers who already have jobs in the profession or are college students. Um, so to me, we're missing the boat on the messaging getting in a, a broader and a much more penetration beyond the, um, the people within the, the music education nation that I talk about, you know, that we already know. We already right, know. Exactly. You know. And so we've got to get this message out. And what that's going to take is considerable coordination and funding for some sort of national campaign. And, and I'll be honest, you know, I am starting to lay the groundwork a little bit for, for to build this idea. Um, and, it do, and it's not my idea, and it doesn't have to be NAFME's idea. Because again, I believe that this, this work and these challenges are bigger than any one of us. And uh, you know, to me, there's, there's room at the table for everybody that wants to be part of this change. But going back to what I was saying about STEM, my next door neighbor probably can recognize right. that acronym, you know, whereas, and, and STEAM, you know, I know some people are big on STEAM. Uh, I don't right. know, you know, it, it doesn't quite have the same traction. Um, but the research is there, the, the benefits of, of a music education are there, and, and I believe that the um, industry sees it as important of what we provide. It's just a matter of us getting it out there in the right way. Yeah, so um, I look forward to seeing how that that goes uh, because it it's really it is interesting as we work with partners both in and outside of the music space um, or foundations that they're with you know what you're saying that they see the value in it but it is going to take some significant groundswell uh, of money oh yeah uh, but but then what's the right message because there I think that there have been some there's been yep. some toes in the water on that, right. but uh, maybe the message wasn't right, and also maybe it's just there wasn't enough money. So yeah. I, I, I give you credit for, <laughs> for going down this road. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah, it is, it is. And, and you know, some people I think too, like who, who's already at the table? You right. know, there's this, um, you know, uh, social capital. I'll, I'll say it this way. There's social capital uh, that needs to already be invested Mm -hmm. to have credibility, right? And so that's part of, of this, you know, to really make a movement, you know, or to make an idea become a movement to really become some sort of national campaign. Um, it, it does take, you know, the social capital, but at the same time, I truly believe that there are many voices that haven't been at the table that, that are critical to be part of the conversation. Right. Well, Scott, thanks for taking some time to talk to us. You are going to be very busy for the next two years based on what <laughs> yes. I've heard yes. here in the last few minutes. And uh, so, but thank you for your leadership, not only in Pennsylvania, but now taking on this role and coming to the table with so many ideas. I think that's fantastic. Thank you. So thank you, Mark. thanks for joining us. And uh, thank you all for joining us on TMEA's Take Note Podcast. We will see you next time.